With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show, Better Than Before, on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. And now, as always, I would like you to meet the person who not only makes us better than before, but happier than before, my happiness-inspiring producer, Lori Houston. (laughs) Is it just because I laugh so much, or...? (laughs) Yeah, because you just you inspire happiness. Some people Aww. just do, and you are one of them. <laughs> so you. there. So there. And I'm happier today because you are here. And this show today is devoted to being happier. So that's also, you're also part of the segue. There you <laughs> just, go. Just so you know. <laughs> um, and after, uh, actually, we are going to be speaking very shortly to Deborah Heiss. She is the editorial director of Live Happy Magazine, and I love this magazine. It's very unique in that it devotes its pages to bringing the happiest movement to a personal level and inspiring people to engage in purpose-driven healthy, happy, meaningful lives, which you do too, Lori. But it also aligns with the message in my book, Long Live You. And after the break, we'll meet Ben Jacobs, the CEO of a company called Whistle, and we'll be talking about preventative care for health, wellness, and loss prevention for our children and fur. And those little four-legged friends make me very happy indeed. And you too, Lori. I know that for a fact with your little Jasper. Absolutely. Right? So stay tuned for that. Now, before I bring on Deborah, and speaking of happiness, I just want to take a brief moment to talk about my mother, Emily, who I dedicate much of my book to. She was an acclaimed author, as you know, Laurie, syndicated beauty columnist, uh, Cody Award-winning fashion designer, and founder, director, and trustee of the Fashion Institute of Technology here in New York City. Uh, Aside from the fact that she used to say that I'd be pretty if I only combed my hair, In going through my papers, I discovered an article that she wrote a very, very long time ago, and it's advice that transcends the ages. And I wanted to share just a little bit of it with our listeners as it fits perfectly into our happiness theme today. It was entitled, People Aren't Born Happy, They Have to Work at It. And she noted that happiness and beauty, not necessarily physical beauty, but the glow from inner peace that is considered universally beautiful go hand in hand. Bitterness, hostility, anger, and depression are the enemies of loveliness, so she said. She felt, while laughter, joy, and peace are beauty's best friends. And she wrote that it would be wonderful if we could simply push a happiness button, but that's not reality. 
And if a happy position doesn't come easily to you, and Laura, you know for a fact that it does not come easily to me, (laughs) conscientiously practice the art just as you would a musical instrument. My mom claimed happiness is making the most of every second, and she wondered why anyone would waste time on meaningless quarrels and malicious gossip. Life, she insisted, is way too short for negative or petty dramas. And much of what we worry about, as you know, Lori, never really happens anyway. So it's just, you know, wasted energy and emotion. She suggested that happiness is having a goal and objective and contentment comes from ultimately realizing it. And finally, a happy person has a glow to her skin that's undeniable. So that's the best beauty secret of all. So that being said, I would now like you all to meet the very beautiful Deborah Heiss. She is COO, co-founder, and an editorial director, as I mentioned, of Live Happy, and is responsible for the management and development of the Live Happy business and creative operations, including, of course, the magazine, which we are going to talk about right now. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. And I can tell you from talking about your mother, I think I would love her. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. She she had her moments, but yes, she was she was quite wonderful in what she she passed. She had great advice for for everyone else. She did indeed. As does as does Live Happy Magazine, and I thought, what a brilliant idea! And, and Laurie, this magazine is is devoted to just just to happiness. And if I were to create a magazine, it would be probably be called Insanity. <laughs> lunacy perhaps but uh in this world of negativity it's a it's a bright spot because your magazine deborah takes us on a journey to live happy and it spreads joy to your readers and as you say happier people are healthier they're more satisfied with their life their relationships they live longer and it's a journey that anyone could take and it just starts with one simple step and that's actually what I talk about in in my book, Long Live You, as well. So tell us, what were your thoughts? What was the incentive to devote an entire magazine to the pursuit of happiness? Well, I had spent um, a very significant portion of my career prior to this uh, working in the personal development space. I uh, was um, editor-in-chief of uh, the current version of Success, founding editor-in-chief of the current version of Success. And I'd been surrounded by people who were basically trying to help people succeed in a really focused area, which is business. Um, And through all of that development, I encountered this happiness movement um, that was coming up out of positive psychology. So in three years ago, um, the gentleman who I, uh, the founder of the organization, discovered that there's this whole movement um, of positive psychology that's going on that the majority of the world didn't know about. there's a conference called the International Positive Psychology Association meeting, and several of us went and attended it, and we're like, wow, there's all this information being passed around academic circles about how you can live a better, happier life, and most people don't even know about it. And it was just really empowering to me because I, I felt that personal development was good but didn't really grab people the way it could because it is about making your life better. But when you couch it in business, people always think of it in terms of, well, you know, that's business and that's about money, that's about things. But really what we want to do is make people better and feel better and live better, more engaged lives. And sometimes that's money and sometimes it's a better relationship with your teenager and sometimes it's just feeling like you did the best you could do and feeling like you had meaningful interactions that day. And so we were really inspired to take a look at this burgeoning happiness movement, um, although the positive psychologists 
don't really like that word happiness attached to it, mm-hmm. we could just like take a look at it and really say, how do we take this message to a larger audience? Because who doesn't want it? I mean, you ask somebody, do you want your kid to grow up to be happy or successful? And you can only pick one. Who's going to pick successful over happy? <laughs> and so it really was a, a, an eye-opening um, revelation to us when we decided to, to go this direction. And then there's so much information out there. And it's just been such a joy to put it together and get it in the hands of readers. And the response has been amazing. Um, so it it really is something that there's a hunger for in the world. And uh, we found a space that we really felt like we could make a difference. A difference. And, and I love what you say. It, it starts with a positive seed of belief in yourself, which is so important. And then you say, just imagine the possibilities if there were more happy and positive people in the world, a world with more peace, optimism, and compassion, which imagine that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful if you went into the office or went into the office or went into wherever you go every day, where it's the coffee shop or it's it's the gym or wherever it is, and everybody's just excited to be there, and everybody's telling you the story about what great thing happened to them. Hey, somebody bought me coffee this morning, or hey, you know what? I woke up this morning and my kids were in such a great mood. It was it was incredible. But that's not what we do. We don't, as human beings, we go to the office and say, you know what? That guy cut me off in traffic. Oh, and my kid, you know, yeah, they were in a great mood this morning, but they forgot their homework last night. Yeah, yeah, that's we don't. so true. It's so negative. <laughs> but Lori is we, only one woman. She cannot spread peace and optimism and compassion to every single person. She has enough work just spreading it to me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I completely understand. But the reality is we need more Lori's in the world. Uh, we need yeah. more people who are just uh, focused on, hey, you know what? That, may bat- that negative thing may have happened to you, but let's talk about some positive stuff. Let's talk about good stuff that happened. Let's talk about, um, you know, how, you know, it wasn't that the guy cut me off in traffic. It was, hey, you know what? I did get in the wreck this morning. Sometimes that's the best thing you can say, but at least it's a positive approach to life rather than a what could go wrong, what did go wrong. You know, the old um, I almost died story. I love those. You know, somebody talked about, well, you know, I, I, I almost died because this guy almost cut me off in traffic, but I saw him and I stopped. Okay, well, you talk not... to my husband this morning? Was that he told you that that story? Because he was in a car accident, and he said, "Oh, I was almost killed." I said, "But you weren't. You're fine. You walked away." <laughs> he says, "Yeah, but I almost got killed." I said, "Yeah, but you know, almost. What is it? Only counts in hand grenades and 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 <laughs> nuclear weapons." Yeah. yeah. So it's, it doesn't. You're here. You're fine. But you know, some people look at it, and he's basically a, a happy person. And he always says to me, can't you be a little more happy? And I always tell people to be happy. It's just hard when it when you have to do it for yourself. I, I try to be. I try to be a less negative person. And I'm trying. Well, I, I'm reading well, Live Happy <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the great news is, and, and this is the great revelation, I think, that Live Happy wants to share with people. You can choose to be happier. Now, there's this great study that um, Sonia Lubomirsky published in uh, The Myth of Happiness. She published it before that, but it was published in her book, The Myth of Happiness. But it's 50%, only 50% of our happiness is determined by genetic set point. Now, that's not an individual. That's a population um, number. But that means 50% of how happy you are being is genetic. The surprising thing is 10% is environmental, and that's it. So only 10% of it is the negative thing that happened to you today. Only 10% of it is, hey, that guy cut me off for work, or hey, she yelled at me, or I hate my job. Only 10% of your happiness is dictated by that. The 40% remaining is based on choices you make. 
you can choose to be happier. Now, the, the most negative uh, persona in the world is never going to be as happy as the person who's got that genetic set point to be just genetically happier. But you will be happier if you do things. So 40% of what of your happiness is dictated purely by actions that you personally take. And That's getting that message out is huge. Way. Yeah, yeah, no, I never, I never really thought of it that way. You choose happiness, like my mother has said. Happiness is a choice, and and as you said, we 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 can choose. We can choose to be to be happier. Now, going back to work, Deborah, a little bit. You you mentioned the cover story in the in the in the May June, it made June issue, which is on the stands now, is happy at work, uh, and with approximately one third of our waking hours, unfortunately, spent at work, and another third, I shouldn't say, I should say, fortunately, because I'm already choosing happiness, and another <laughs> third, presumably, thinking very happy thoughts about it. It's no surprise that the workplace environment um, significantly affects our overall well-being. I mean, it, it certainly does because we're, we're living with it day by day. And not everyone is, is happy, as you know, and not as happy, of course, as I am. <laughs> as, as, <laughs> we as have Lori. As Lori will attest. Um, yeah, well, that's true, you see. Um, now, I tell my daughter that there is no greater motivation than someone who insults you. But on the other hand, people can be really mean. Um, that's what I tell her that there's no greater motivation, but I'm very sensitive. <laughs> I get insulted. It's not motivating. I like, oh my God, they insulted me. They look at me wrong. Everything I tell her not to do, I do. So how do you change other people? It's one thing to choose happiness yourself, which is, which is important, but they're mean people and they're unhappy people out there. How do you change their mindset at work? Well, it's not that you can change them as individuals, but you can be the catalyst for positivity. You can be the person who, when the negative office cooler talk is going on, you walk away. You can be the person who smiles first and says, good morning. And when I ask how are you doing, you say, you know what, I'm having a great day. Or, you know what, I'm not having a, I'm not having a good day, but it's going to get better. You can be the force for change because negativity is clearly contagious. I mean, we've got a whole culture built around um, people spreading gossip or people, you know, looking at the most scandalous thing on the Internet or people who are really just want to talk about somebody else's tragedy or disaster. But we don't have to spend our time engaged in that. And the reality is there's a, there's a study that there's something called the, the silent 30. And that's the 30% of people who really are positive and who you're surrounded by, but don't talk about it and don't speak up about it, and don't express their happiness. They're sitting at their chair going, I'm happy I'm staying out of this. But you can be the positive force for change and draw those people to you, and you can actually kind of overtake the people you're surrounded by with positive emotion, to where it becomes abnormal to be the negative person, where the person who is, well, is me, the world's going to end, is the person who's looked upon as being abnormal. But the only thing you can really do is start with yourself, draw those people to you, and engage in positive conversation and engage in encouragement and reward positive behavior. See, Laura, I'm part of the silent happy people. <laughs> I don't share it too often, but it's, it, it's there. Really? Um, really? Yeah, I am. I'm silent. <laughs> but sometimes I'm I, 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 maybe I'm not. Maybe I do share it. Maybe I just don't understand that. Now you have to think positively about yourself too, right, Deborah? That's the important thing. You have to think good thoughts about yourself. And I think too, and you know, we're talking about beauty. I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but since we're talking about feeling positive about yourself, we tend to be very self-destructive. We have very negative energy. We're so hard on ourselves. And how many times have you met someone who says, 
look at this pimple on my face. It just came out today. You know, they're calling attention to it, which you never would have noticed had they not said it. Or, oh, I feel, oh, look at what I'm wearing today. It's so, I stained it or I dropped something on it. Nobody would have known it. So what I rec- what I recommend is to look in the mirror and say something to make yourself feel beautiful, not in an egotistical way, but in a self-loving way to look in the mirror and say, you're beautiful. I love who you are because you're me. So that includes, that increases your self-esteem, I think, and not focusing on all the negative traits because we all have them. I mean, I always think my nose is too big, but that's another story. Well, we we also have this real tendency as human beings to, uh, Look, look at the future or look at the past and not be present. There's a lot to being present that will help build your happiness. And, and what I mean by that, you know, it's mindfulness. Okay, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm walking from this building to that building and it's a beautiful day outside. What I'm really worried about is the meeting, meeting that I just left or the meeting that I'm going to or the fact that I've got to get here or I've got to get there. But sometimes you walk outside and you go and, and you stop and you go, okay, and I don't mean stop walking, just mentally stop and go, you know, it's a really beautiful day outside. Isn't that awesome? That builds positive engagement into your day. Finding the presence, not the worry of the future or the regret of the past, but finding that moment to be present in what's going on with your conversations with your, with your daughter or with your mother or with your, with, with your coworkers, but just being truly present and finding meaning in what you're doing rather than spending so much time worrying about the future or thinking about what didn't go right five minutes ago, you'll find yourself to be really more um, engaged. And really, the the happiness field is there's five things that are generally considered, um, launched by Dr. Martin Seligman, who really is a father of positive psychology, um, five elements that he says are part of happiness and that most a lot of the happiness studies around. One's positive emotions, which we all understand. I'm happy. The second is engagement, and that's what I mean by being present. So really just being engaged. The third is positive accomplishments. We all like to feel like we've done something and be successful. The fourth is positive relationships, and the last is meaning. But focusing on finding meaning, being engaged, having good relationships, all of that leads you to be happier. That is so true. And also, I also recommend to practice gratitude because if you focus on what you don't have, you'll never have enough is what I, I think. Aren't the people who are, who are grateful for, you know, you give somebody something that's trivial and they're like, like a pen. Oh, I really love this pen. Thank you so much. It's almost startling when they're like that. But those people tend to be the happiest people in the world um, in terms of at least the way they interact with me. You know, if I, it, it, the smallest things just not being, not only being grateful, but being giving, just being aware that, hey, you know what, this little thing that I'm doing can impact somebody else's life in a momentary positive way. But you don't know that might be the best thing that happened to them all day. True. You know, the whole buying coffee for the person in line behind you, um, what we call happy acts. It probably didn't cost you anything, and they don't know who you are, but it could have impacted their life in a positive way. That might be the only good thing that happened to them that day. That that is very very true. Here's a, here's a question for you, Deborah. I did some promotion. I was doing some promotion for my book, and um, I was doing a, a another radio show. And she said, "Name some of the 
the, the positive aspects of the book, some of the steps that we can take. And, and of course, I started with be gratitude, be grateful and happy and, and what we talked about a little bit. But you said it much better, obviously. <laughs> you, you can just, I don't know about go, that. Go, 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 on, go on as me, please. Do the, do the rest of the shows. So she said, well, let me tell you, I just got a diagnosis and it just threw me off of stage four brain cancer. So what do I have to be happy oh. about? Can you tell me what I have to be happy about? And there's this big pause because I'm thinking, well, everything else I'm going to say sounds a little bit trivial because, you know, okay, we'll eat whole wheat instead of white bread and, you know, the, the exercise. or it, So I was thinking, and, and I did I did handle it the best way that I could, but how would you answer that? If someone says, well, I've been very sick or I've been diagnosed with an illness, how do you then get any sort of happiness or gratitude out of that? And I hope I'm not throwing you a curveball like she threw me. <laughs> I hope this, I'm not passing it along one. to you. <laughs> this is like, well, there, there, there's, there's a lot... Um, I just saw this wonderful film, which hasn't been distribute, distributed yet um, this week, and it's uh, called uh, Pursuing Happiness, and it's a documentary this gentleman named Adam Shelmay. But one of the key stories in this documentary is about this girl who's 25, and uh, she's a lawyer, maybe she's a little, but she's in her early 20s, mid-20s, and she's a lawyer, and she's very accomplished, and she finds out she has cancer, and she just chose to say, okay, this is my life-changing moment. I don't know how much time I have, but I am going to live with the time that I have. I'm going to engage with the time that I have. Because, and, and her life, she, she actually says in the movie, and she does, she does die, um, which I hope Adam doesn't listen to this and get mad at me for giving away the ending of the movie. But, <laughs> she, uh, her whole persona was that, you know, cancer, this horrible thing, I wouldn't wish on anybody. I wouldn't want someone to take away from me because it genuinely brought meaning to my life. Now, that's not, an, not, and not something I want to tell someone who's just been diagnosed with brain cancer. So if she was asking me the question, I might respond differently. But the reality is everything that happens to us happens to us. It's not whether we're happy or whether the world's perfect or what, what's going to happen is, is, is ideal. It's what happens. It's how we react to it, how we respond to it, how we frame that conversation in our head that determines whether this is ultimately the end or ultimately just a different part of life which we can find meaning in and be happy in. Um, yeah, we're all going to die one day, you know, but how, how do we frame that in our own heads? How do we deal with what happened to us is really what it's all about because we can't change it. Yeah. I mean, that, I, all the positive thoughts in the world, no matter which, which guru you, you talk to that talks about the law of attraction or anything, are not going to keep bad things from happening to you. It's what you do when they do that really drives whether or not you have meaning, whether you have relationships, how those impact your life. And being present allows you to enjoy those even if you don't have as much time as the person sitting next to you. Because you don't really know. There's always that, that car that's going to run into you on the way to work and you're all going to almost die. <laughs> or the bus that could run you over. That's what my mother said. Always wear clean underwear. <laughs> you never know when you're going to get by a car. 
It's like, I'm really not going to care at that point. Thank you. <laughs> point, I, I don't know, you know. Um, but, we but, must have the same mother somewhere. I, <laughs> probably, probably, right? Uh, no, she was, she was one of a kind, let me tell you. Uh, but there, there is one, we're talking about uh, cancer. Jimmy Holland, who is the chief of psychiatry for many years at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center here in New York City, she wrote a very interesting book called The Human Side of Cancer, Living with Hope. And, of course, this is a completely different issue, of course. But what she mm-hmm. did say is that you're not expected to be happy all the time and because sometimes it adds more stress because if you're not happy then you go well why am I not happy I should be happy well I'm not happy so that must something must be wrong so does that uh, you know is there can are we allowed to have depression is that part of human nature can we give ourselves time to really feel it and maybe feel sorry for ourselves well, I think this is the definition of happiness that we struggle with because people here live happy and they only think of the positive emotion. We're not, when we're talking about happiness at Live Happy, we're not talking about just the fleeting, hey, I had an ice cream cone and it was wonderful because I've been denying myself ice cream cones for three years. And so I'm so happy because I did that. Um, we're talking about living a meaningful, engaged life. We're calling it happiness because that's a term that, um, popular public or you know the general public understands and can relate to but really we're talking about having that life that you feel like you're satisfied with and that does mean that you can be depressed that does mean that you can be sad my 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 goodness i'm never going to tell someone they shouldn't grieve for example you should always grieve but it's being resilient enough to have that not end your life to not stop there and dwell there you know, resilience um, is, is a big part of, uh, of what we call happiness. In fact, in our current issue, there's a great article about resilience where um, Annie Van Dyken, the Olympic swimmer who had the ATV accident, who was paralyzed, mm-hmm. it's a great article about her and how, yes, this horrible thing happened to her, but it is something that she's moving forward with. And, you know, she's trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle, you know, tips to building up your resilience so that you're not – going to get cratered by that tragic news yeah the bounce um, back effect is that the, the story? yes that's the name, yeah. name of the story um you know but some of the tips in that are like stay realistically optimistic you know it's not like and the key word there is realistically optimistic we're not asking you to be all you know rainbows and butterflies but really that there are positive things that could happen and not just negative things that can happen you know that we tend to get in a pattern of thinking that this you know my mother so, you know bad things happen in threes so the first two things happen, she's looking for the third. Well, no, <laughs> she'll find a third if she does that. Mm-hmm. But be realistically True. optimistic. So, you know, maybe you won't walk again if you've been paralyzed, but there are other things you can do. There are things to look forward to. Helping others, um, you know, being altruistic. Um, having a good social network. Don't disconnect from your social network when bad things happen. Engage with them. You'll find that most people don't know what to say, but just being around other people can boost your mood. Um, being mindful, you know, learning, you know, that we were talking about earlier, self-talk, positive self-talk, and then maintaining a healthy lifestyle. But all of this research shows that sometimes bad things actually improve your happiness and satisfaction with life. And maybe that's the whole, um, somebody once asked uh, the question, do you have to have something really bad happen to you before you can be really happy? And it was an odd question, and it was in regards to we were doing uh, talking about resilience. And it's, the answer is no, but you might recognize you're happier, easier, because you, yeah. you have that contrast. 
But just keeping that positive outlook um, is so key to to everybody's happiness. And positive is relative. You know, sometimes um, I don't know if you read uh, uh, Sheryl Sandberg's uh, letter after coming right. out of grieving for her husband. I, I did read that. That was, a, that was a beautiful letter. I did save it. She, she, it, yeah. And it, it's fan. I did. I did too. It's fantastic because she. She talks about the overwhelming things she's learned, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of positive in that. And that's from a point of, when you read the letter, you're just, I can, you can, I can feel her grief. But it's a phenomenal um, thing to have that, and then to be able to find the good that she found in other people, and in moments, and and and, and you know how she dealt with it. It's just, it's just amazing. So there are. You don't want to say there's positive things to come out of that, but there are there is a positive way to move forward. I guess would be the best way to put it. Right. We had Amy Purdy on the show, and she it was the Olympic. You probably know her, the Olympic snowboarder and mm-hmm. and and winner of Dancing with the Stars <laughs> or runner yes. up to Dancing. I mean, she has no legs, I guess, from the knee from the knee down, uh, from meningitis from sepsis that she got. And and I said the first thing. I said to her was, oh, I will never complain about anything again. And she goes, well, I complain about things. I said, yeah, but you have something to complain about. (laughs) She goes, no, I mean, you can't be happy. She was just saying exactly what you're talking about. Nobody can be happy all the time. Uh, Although I do recall interviewing Martina Navratilova, the tennis player, and I said Mm -hmm. what what she had breast cancer, and I said what you know what are the good things come out of it. She goes, I was always worried about it. Now that I got it, I'm not worried about anything anymore. (laughs) The worst came true, so now I have nothing. worry about so there's a very positive positive way to look at it and, and and what i like also about the magazine deborah is there's um uh, you know there's a balance between the science of positive psychology as you were talking about and then how to apply it to everyday life and i think that the problem with many books and cds on the topic of course not mine uh but they tell you <laughs> that that you have to be happy but not necessarily how to take that advice uh, advice and realistically apply it to your daily life and as i say it takes more than just exercising and eating kale and thinking happy thoughts to get from where you are to where you want to be and now what you say in the magazine or what you say in the magazine is, you know, happiness is accessible to everyone, not just philosophers and academics and researchers. You know, it is available to everybody and you show that it, it can be put in a very simple way. So yeah, it's I not out of our... A lot of what we, a lot of the advice we give people sometimes seems a little bit flip because I don't think people realize that it's actually founded in science. And by flip, I mean, you know... Um, how do you make how do you, you know how do you, how do you make it better? I mean, how do you something that maybe maybe you're just not engaged or maybe it's just not better. You know, some of the advice we get are take a moment, take a breath. Mindfulness and meditation works. Um, it works. Remove toxins, meaning in, avoid negative conversations. If someone always brings you down, maybe don't eat lunch with them every day. Uh, you know, there's, or at all, <laughs> or at all. Maybe get it back to once a week. See if that helps. If not, you know, move on. Volunteer, doing things for other people, learning, keeping your brain stimulated is an, is a huge part of engagement. You know, there's well, there's always something to learn, and most of us, when we're learning new things, um, give us it gives us new ideas and it gives us you know kind of that burst of energy. But you know, focus on the positive. One of the one of the things that I do um, is write down something good that happens every day. Now, sometimes it's hard to not find something good that's happened, but to remember to do it. 
here's the here's the deal. When I have that day that it doesn't feel like anything good did happen, I can look at all of the days that something good did happen, and I can usually find out what it was. You know, just having that journal of these are good things that happen to me every day. One thing takes three minutes. Um, and then laughing. I mean, laughing is such an obvious thing, but finding ways to laugh. Finding, you know, um, we just posted a, a, an article today about how cat videos really can improve your mood, really can make you better. You know, the number one thing watched, number one thing watched on, uh, on YouTube is cat videos. They really do make you better. They did a whole survey and a study about people watching cat videos. That's why Lori's find- happy. She has a video right there. She lives the video with her cat Jasper. So that Lori, that's why you're happy. Now that's I have to it. say, no, it's, it's Jasper. He makes you happy. There you go. That's there, there's the key. But these are simple things. None of this is none of this is something that requires a degree or any advanced training to do. It's just really a matter of starting to do it. Do you think nutrition makes makes a uh, difference in being I think, happier? I think health. I think health makes a huge difference. Um, and nutrition obviously is part of health. And um, certainly, uh, Dr. Drew Ramsey with his Fifty Shades of Kale. So you mentioned kale a couple times. <laughs> and, Which to my know. husband's chagrin. <laughs> the kale-hating lawyer. He's the kale-hating lawyer. He, will not, he would starve to death if there. He, he will not eat anything bitter. Kale, uh, arugula. In fact, we were asked to bring something to a party, and it was, it was uh, uh, arugula. And he goes, how could you have said you'd bring that? You know I hate it. You know I hate anything bitter. I said, they didn't say arugula. They said rugula, those little cakes. Oh, yes. He's already getting down. What do you mean? I don't even want this in the car, that awful tasting green stuff. But you should. I mean, I find what I eat has a big impact on, on my feelings. If you drink too much or if you, if you have a hangover or if you feel too much, too much sugar, too much sugar, um, precisely. Or, you know, or, or, you know, a lot of, a lot of us have guilt over eating. I mean, if you eat the wrong food, you feel guilty. That can't help your happiness. Cause you know, I, you know, I, I'm not going to eat any sugar today. Oh, well, somebody brought donuts to the office. Mm, well, I'm going to have to have a donut. And then later there's regret, right? So, it, donuts? That's not, that's, Did someone say donuts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no no so, regrets here. <laughs> so, but, but, but beyond you know that, yeah, nutrition, health, being active. I think it's a little bit of a chicken and egg, though. I, I, I do believe that happier people are more likely to be healthy because the studies show us that as well as healthier people are more likely to be happy because the studies show us that as well. Um, and it, it is about activity. It's about eating right. It's about, you know, uh, taking care of yourself mentally and physically. And I think happier people are more likely to do that, but healthier people are more likely to achieve some level of happiness if they do. Spiritually, too. I, I do believe that. I do believe, I believe personally in a higher power. I believe in putting it out to the universe. And I think if you feel that some, you have forces working with you, whatever your beliefs are, I think that makes you happier because you know that you're not alone. And, and I feel that's very happy and, and uh, that's very positive for my happiness as well. I can't put my, my finger on the study uh, or my mental finger on the study, name of the studies right now, but there are several studies that do show a connection to a higher power does significantly impact your happiness. Um, and, I, I, and I believe that because uh, I believe in a higher power. But it, it, there's some spirit, spiritual connectivity and you're not alone in the world and you're part of a larger, more meaningful mm-hmm. thing. Um, 
that it brings you that does, I think, enable you to move through grief or anger or isolation um, in a way that people who don't have that uh, don't don't get. I guess that's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's yeah, um, very, very true. Now, are there benefits you, you mentioned? Now, now, the July-August issue will be on stand, on the stands July 7th, but we'll give you a little, a little preview here for our listeners. You mentioned the benefits of traveling with, with kids. Is that because family is important that makes you happier? Relationships are important. Relationships. And, um, all, and, and the studies show um, that... You can spend time on things. I mean, you can spend money on things, or you can spend money on time. And money on time, and by money on time, I mean you can do something with your children, whether it's going to a lake, a park, or taking a vacation. That will create memories and um, relationships that will far exceed buying them an Xbox. Uh, it really is about building a relationship and making time for your children in a way that you're going to create memories that you can sit, you can sit and uh, talk about later. Um, my personal belief, and this isn't in, isn't, in, isn't in the study, so this is, this is Deborah personally, I think that time is a bit of a continuum. You know, I, I, I'm approaching 50, and I look back, and there's large pieces of time that I really don't remember just because nothing significant happened. I don't want to create that with my children. I want my children, I mean, I want them to remember the summer. So I'm going to do something that they remember. And so that we can talk about that in three or four years when we want to fight with each other because they're teenagers. Um, But it's really about creating those memories and those times of family bonding, family togetherness, and really family stories that traveling with your children uh, provides. Yeah. Is it, is it ever too late? Let's say you've led a rather negative life or you've had negative thoughts and, and you want to change. Is it ever too late? Can you start from right this very moment to become a more positive person? Absolutely. It's really a decision. I mean, it's a choice. I'm going to be more positive and I'm going to do either I'm going to start uh, writing down three things that I'm grateful for every day or I'm going to write down something positive that happened to me today, or I'm going to start meditating for five minutes um, a day, or I'm, you know, there's all sorts of activities you can take that will improve your happiness. It's not like I'm going to become Pollyanna tomorrow, mm-hmm. but it is very possible to start today, no matter how old you are, and begin to get more out of life. That is very, very well said. I am just happy that you're here as a guest today. You've been just so wonderful, and and you've been really a terrific guest, and and I've really very, very much enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, Research shows that just by spreading happiness, you actually become happier, as you said, and you can make a difference in your life and the lives of others. Be grateful, be positive, be active, be involved. And by Live Happy, where can we find Live Happy? Um, Newsstands nationwide. We're in uh, Barnes and Noble. We're at Hudson uh, in bookstores. We also have an online edition. Um, sorry, not an online edition. I apologize. A digital edition for iPad and Google in the uh, iTunes and Google Play stores. Just look up Live Happy Magazine. It's an interactive edition which has animation and some extras that aren't available in the print issue. But we are uh, currently on Newsstands nationwide. And you didn't mention it, but our next issue has Alanis Morissette on the cover. So um, be looking for that. 
Terrific. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Come back again, and I will give you a progress report. More importantly, Lori will give you a progress report about <laughs> how, how I'm becoming happier. It's such good, good advice. And it's so simple, Deborah. The thing is, everybody, we always think it has to be complicated, that life has to be complicated. But, you know, so much is coming at us from all different directions. And sometimes we cannot take one more thing coming at us because we shut down, unable to process anything more. And if you just take, as you mentioned, some very, very easy steps, just write down some things that make you happy. Just start small. That's the that's just a wonderful advice and a great way to start. It doesn't have to be a lot. Simple, small steps, as I call it, Kaizen. Change Zen for the good. That's what you have to think about. Little steps to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And thank you. You've t- you've helped us take some very big steps today. So come back, come back again for progress report. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, for people who'd like to get started right away, um, livehappy.com has a lot of information on it, um, and we'd love to have you visit. But thank you so much, Jane. I really appreciate it. Oh, we appreciate your being with us. Everyone stay with us. We'll be right back with Ben Jacobs. You are listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us. We'll be back after these words. As listeners of our iHeartRadio Talk Show know, Jane Wilkins Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions, improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com where it's available for delivery or as an ebook, Or go to Jane's website, janewilkinsmichael.com. Now, back to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune in to Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and better than before. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Jane. I'm here with Lori, and you're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. And now to continue our happiness theme, I am very delighted, happy, I should say, to welcome Ben Jacobs, who is the CEO and co-founder of Whistle Labs. And they make pet activity and GPS trackers that go directly on your dog's collar. And Ben is a pet parent to the Dachshund Terrier Mix, Duke. And he started the company to help dog owners like himself and and, and me and cat owners like Lori stay close and connected to our uh, beloved pets. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you about today. Now, tonight, Whistle is hosting a cocktail party at the Little Owl in New York's West Village, right, to kick off the first social awareness campaign dedicated to raising awareness about the issue of lost pets. And That's I think, right. We are I think I'll see you tonight. <laughs> I, I will, yeah, well, that will be excellent. 
I will be there with my with my team to cover this. Um, and each year we lose more dogs than cell phones, which is a very, very sad fact. And for families who have been through this experience, it's an excruciating and emotional time. I, I lost my pet. I didn't lose him. I lost him because he was older and he, he was sick. But I can imagine losing him when you know that your pet is alive somewhere and you don't know what, what happened. How awful is that? Well, it's an incredibly emotional experience, as you indicated. You know, pets really are members of the family. And in the U.S. alone, there's 80 million dogs, uh, more dogs than children, and including cats. I know we have a cat owner here as well. There's 150 million dogs and cats in this country. Um, one for every two people. And as they become parts of the family, as you said, you know, that moment of loss, that moment of anxiety and concern is so strong. And sadly, one in three pets will get lost in their lifetime. So one in three families will experience that. Uh, and and Whistle's goal is to help decrease that number and uh, bring those pets home safely. Yeah, well, I did my good deed for what I thought were lost dogs. One day I was walking my dog, Damien, my Rottweiler, as we talked about uh, before you came on the air, and I was walking down sort of a, a, a long path, and there was a house on the side that I had noticed that there were black dogs in the in the yard with a gate. Hmm. And I always took a note of these dogs. And then I saw one day the dogs were on the road, and I thought, and they were older dogs. And I thought, oh, my goodness, these dogs are going to get lost. They're going to run away. They must have gotten out. So I put Damien in one hand with the leash, and I managed to rope these dogs and you know, with the other hand. I don't even know how I did it. I opened the gate, and uh. these dogs went back in their their home and I called the owner and she said you are an angel you have you saved these dogs lives they would have definitely gotten lost or run over worse you know on the on the on the and there were cars coming so uh, fast forward a few months later again I see not not two dogs but one dog the black dog running around so I said well I obviously have to do this again caught the dog, opened the gate, put the dog back in the house. And then, you know, I called the owner thinking I'm, I'm an angel again. And she said, that's very nice of you, but unfortunately that's not my dog. So oh, I just put oh some, <laughs> some strange black dog that was roaming around <laughs> into her house. I was just happy that he was a friendly dog. <laughs> Thank goodness. Did it get resolved? Did you ever find the... Uh, yeah, she found the owner. Yeah, I mean, she did. There, she, she did find, but I assume that was the same house. So <laughs> there, there was the dog oh, running around. My. I said, oh, my goodness, I hope that it doesn't attack her dogs that I... Well, you're hers. you're the ideal dream neighbor, <laughs> obviously, in, in terms of the neighborhood pet watch and being a responsible pet parent. You know, we, we hear at Whistle so many of those stories, um, and fortunately, a lot of pets are able to return home, whether by the grace of good neighbors like yourself or ultimately finding the right shelter, or the right veterinarian, um, and using tools like microchips or tools um, or tags that are more traditional reactive loss solutions. I think what Whistle brings to market is really a more proactive loss of right when that dog got out of that fence or got out of the home zone in our parlance, um, the owner would be notified and be able to, to get home and make sure the pet was uh, safely recovered. Right. Now, is it also a matter of training that you train your dog not to, I mean, can you train a dog not to run away or they just see an open space and that's it? I mean, they run off, right? They're, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, tra- training is definitely an important component of it. I think there's a lot of tools in our tool belt in terms of loss prevention and um, training and uh, creating a safe environment for pets and the right home for every, every pet is an important aspect. But yeah, as you said, there are just some unpredictable elements of, of having a dog, and that might be because they see something and run off, whether it's chasing a squirrel or a bird. Um, or it can be more uh, outside events. You know, a good example as we go here into the summer, the number one week for pet loss is actually the 4th of July. And that's because there's more outdoor events, there's more open doors, and, of course, there's fireworks. And those fireworks can 
um, scare pets because they're outside their normal environment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on the more extreme side, we've heard about natural disasters being a large cause of pet loss, um, whether that's major events like Hurricane Katrina or Hurricane Sandy um, or other events across the country around the world. You know, pets get out even if they're the best trained pets possible in those emergencies you can't expect. Yeah, that's true. Now, when you talk about IDing pets, is that the, the GPS that you put under their the that you go to the vet and it's a little like a injectable that you you can scan it and then you can if someone brings your dog back you you know where they know who to return it to yeah the microchip injectable is what i was referencing um it's actually a common misunderstanding it's not technically a gps what the microchip is is the rfid tag basically an implantable tag system for your pet much like the tags on their collar but in case the collar falls off, it can be scanned at a veterinarian or a shelter. Um, and we have some great partners in that space, including Home Again, who will be at the event tonight with us at the Lost for, Pet, uh, Lost for Dogs movement. Um, the challenge with traditional microchipping is it is a reactive solution and requires several steps to um, be activated. Uh, you know, more specifically, if your dog was to run away, or in the case of you finding these two black dogs running the neighborhood, they need a responsible owner like you to find them and take them to the right veterinarian or the right shelter. Um, to scan, uh, you know, ultimately, unfortunately for some dogs, that, that can be too late, whether there is a car, as you mentioned, or other dangers mm -hmm. um, in the wild. Um, that said, Whistle is very strong advocates for proper IDs or microchipping. Um, we believe all dogs should have both proper tags and microchipping because without those, 90% of lost dogs, sadly, don't return home. Really? That high in number? That's right. Yeah, without proper tags and microchipping, yeah, those are often the stray dogs that end up in shelters, and um, whether they end up getting rescued by another family or, um, sadly, still a number of dogs get euthanized uh, every year. Yeah, and good good dogs too. Which I guess there's an overpopulation of dogs, stray dogs that you. I mean, they can't handle all of them, so that's that's yeah, very that's, sad. That's exactly right. Whether it's stray dogs and, and stray cats. And so, you know, we're really trying to decrease the numbers and ensure all, all these pets are in um, healthy and happy homes. Now, it, and I think also when you have a bigger dog, that's the fear that people are going to be afraid to come near him or her to try to rescue him or read the tag because they don't know how your dog is going to react. Even smaller dogs. I mean, sometimes when they get scared, they could bite, they could growl, and you don't want to go near them. So it's it's kind of an issue. So uh, but the important part is to not, first of all, not let your dog get out if you can possibly help it not get lost. But as you said, there are circumstances that are really beyond our control, that they do run away. Are things like the... Um, the collar that that um, the invisible gate is that cruel? That seems like they shock the dog. Is that a good thing to have if you have a house? You know, when used correctly, training collars, whether um, corrected collars as you're indicating or spray collars, um, can be used to correctly train pets. And I think there's lots of great stories um, about that. You know, there are unfortunately some stories where an owner is not appropriately trained in how to use those tools. And again, as, as we always say, Whistle is different tools for every pet owner and every pet, and it really depends upon um, your dog's needs and your needs, you know, what kind of property you live on or what kind of apartment you're in, what kind of pet you have and their tendencies. Um, and so I think there's um, different tools in the trade to be a responsible pet parent, but obviously we always encourage um, positive reinforcement wherever possible. Yeah. Now you said, I mean, you must have some rescue stories. I told you mine. Do you have any interesting rescue stories of pets that will touch our hearts because we have a happiness theme show today? Yes. You know, a story that comes to mind given our conversations about outside events that can unfortunately be a pet getting lost. 
um, we had an owner write in and she had a furry member of the family that the family loves very much. And this is one of those very well-trained pets we were discussing. So they're never really concerned about him running away. They just like the GPS pet tracker for the peace of mind it provided, especially when they were out of town on vacation. So they knew the dog was in home and they could check in when they were away, whether that was a kennel or staying with a friend or family member. Um, but sadly, uh, although there's a happy ending to the story in the spirit of the, this happiness show, uh, it was actually when they were in town that they required the GPS tracker. They got in a very serious car accident on the freeway with a pet in the car. And fortunately, no member of the family was hurt, human or dog, but he was quite scared and jumped out of a broken window, racing across the freeway, straight into a forest. And so shell-shocked by this car accident, they now had to pull out their phones and use the GPS tracker right away to track their pet, um, ultimately finding him deep in that forest, but fortunately before he was injured or could get into further danger by running across another road. So I think it's a really inspiring story for all of us of the peace of mind that can provide um, when you least expect it. As trackers on everyone's child. <laughs> That's the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a re- hey, it's a, re- it's a request we get a lot. And I think you know, think about the market overall in terms of what's happening with devices, those devices like Fitbit or Apple Watch in terms of um, tracking our fitness and our health um, or you know, devices that will take better care of our homes or our cars. I do think that we're going to have an increasing um, ability to manage the things in our, in our um, lives that we love and care about. And obviously, our, our pets are a big example of that. Right. So, in 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 uh, as we wrap up, just give us some concrete um, takeaway advice that you can share with us about how we keep our pets protected. Yeah, the most important thing, as as we've said throughout this discussion, is you know have a regimen that fits for your specific dog, um, whether that is about positive reinforcement training or using training collars. Um, we obviously are large believers in microchipping and proper IDs, just traditional identification tags for all pets. And then if loss and overall health tracking is any kind of concern, we think Whistle is a great part of that portfolio as well. Um, in addition to the loss and the um, activity tracking we've discussed, you can also log food, log medication. It's really a hub for you and your family to take the best care of that pet. Um, you know, overall, it's about finding the right regimen for you and, and that member of the family. And how can we all participate in your PSA campaign? How can we, what can we do as listeners? So it's an, it, of course, it's an Instagram campaign, and the hashtag is Lost for Dogs. We'll have the information available at whistle.com, and ultimately it'll be about you taking a fun photo with your dog and encouraging others to do the same all to donate to American Humane Association and increase awareness of the number of pets that get lost in this country every year. Because as we discussed earlier, it is 10 million pets getting lost every single year. That's more pets than cell phones get lost. And one, one in three dogs that I mentioned getting lost in the course of their lifetime. So we want to raise awareness for that and um, ensure folks are taking the best care possible. And that's 10 million dogs too many that get lost. So, yeah. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today and I look forward to seeing you and meeting you tonight. I'm probably going to bring my daughter. She's 26. She might not need a G- she might not need a GPS tracker, but you could still <laughs> you could still suggest it. <laughs> well, hey, I look forward to meeting you and her and hopefully she'll also meeting some of the dogs at the event tonight as well. 
Oh, God, that, I would love to. Thank you. So there's nothing better. If you're ever depressed, and we talk about happiness, if you're ever depressed, I would, one day I was walking past a, a pet store. I would never buy a, a, a dog in a pet store, actually, but, you know, the puppy mills and all that. But um, just to hold them and just to kind of, you know, be with them. They're so therapeutic and so wonderful. Dogs and, and cats, too. Little cats, Lori. Little, little nugget cats. <laughs> Small little cat. I, I wish they would. I wish they would be kittens forever. <laughs> they're they're cute. Go. Puppy puppies are cute too. So <laughs> thank thanks so thank you so much, Ben. And your website, just give it to us once again. Uh, the website is whistle dot com. All right, everyone. That's our show. Thank you so much again, Ben. I'll see you tonight. Thank you, Lori, as always, and thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins Michael. I will see you next week. Until then. Be wise, be well, be better than before, and be happy. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.